Shabbat Shalom, everyone. So I want to talk about hearing the voice of God. I've entitled this, My Sheep Hear My Voice. These are the words of Jesus. He's alive today. He didn't die and remain in the grave. He was resurrected, ascended on high, and is at the right hand of the Father. He is in heaven, ruling and reigning at this point. And he'll continue to rule and reign until all of his enemies are made a footstool for him. And then he's returning for us to bring us into a beautiful new heavens and new earth. So Jesus is alive. He speaks to his people today. Think about this. He loves you. The word of God is general in its scope. The word of God is given to a community of people who are called by his name. But it's not very specific to your circumstances, right? Each of us have our own lives. Each of us have our own hurts and pains, our own hopes for the future. The word of God doesn't touch on the specifics of our lives. But Jesus does. He's the living word. He is the word made flesh. He dwells among us. He desires to have relationship with each and every one of us. He wants to get into our business because he loves us. He wants to lead and direct us. And so he speaks to us to equip us on our journey, to direct us on our journey. Our responsibility is real simple. Our responsibility is to develop listening ears. He talks about having ears that do not hear. It's possible to have ears that can hear everything and anything all around you except his voice. He says, develop listening ears so you can hear my voice. Our responsibility, develop listening ears and a heart to receive. If we do, we'll be positioned for a successful journey in this often confusing and chaotic world. So today we're going to explore some of the principles and dynamics of discerning the voice of our shepherd in the midst of many competing voices all around us. Isn't it true? Everyone has an opinion, and they all want to share it, and they all expect us to follow it. Isn't that true? We got the media, we got our nation, we got our politicians, we've got our friends, everyone's weighing in when it comes to decisions we need to be making in our lives. The question is, is do we make room for the voice of our God? who's far more invested in us than even our parents, right? He desires to speak to us, desires that we follow him. In uh, John chapter 10 and verse 27, we have Jesus' words. He says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. They follow me. I give eternal life to them. They will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my father's or my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. What an amazing promise. He has us. He's holding us. He says, I'll speak to you. Listen, son. Listen, daughter. I will speak in your heart of hearts. I will lead you. I will direct you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. 
My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Yes, we have the written word. How often do you read it, and you just feel like it's not saying anything to me? See, we have to engage the Lord and say, Lord, speak to me through your word. Open up your word to me. Open up my eyes so I can see new things in your word. Open up my ears so I can hear you speak to me through your word. I desire to follow you. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, we read these words. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many ways, or in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. He is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. Jesus is the conduit of the voice of God. Jesus is whom God chose to speak to us. God the Father speaks through his Son to each and every one of us. We just have to be open to that. We have to ask him to speak to us, and he will through his Son. That is the conduit that he has chosen. So how does Jesus speak to us today, right? I mean, you know, one of the questions you will be asked if you ever go for a mental health checkup, I see that hand. If you go, one of the the things they ask is, do you hear voices? You never want to say yes. I shouldn't say that. If you say yes, uh, that may raise some red flags. Okay? So when I talk about hearing the voice of Jesus, does he literally speak audibly? Sometimes. You know how you can tell if he spoke audibly? Just ask the person next to you, did you hear him and what he said? 99.9999% of the time, they're going to look at you like you're crazy. It might sound audible, but it's not. See, he spoke to Moses audibly face to face. He says everyone else, they get dreams and visions. I speak to them in mysteries. Now, Not so with my servant Moses. Face to face, he hears me. My voice audibly, he hears. The only other one that got that was Jesus, the second and greater Moses. So how do we hear the voice of God? Because he hasn't chosen to spoke to us like he did Moses or, or his own son. He speaks to us in many different ways, in very subtle ways, sometimes in ways that appear to be audibly until you ask your friend next to you, and they will ensure you that they heard nothing, okay? But still, it can at times be as if he spoke audibly, but it's that inner voice that he speaks to us. Deep in our hearts, in that small, still voice, you can hear him speaking to you. Let me give you another passage. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says, God's word is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword and cuts deep, as deep as the place where soul and spirit meet, the place where joints and marrow meet. So, God's word is a living word. And Jesus will speak to us through his word. It's alive. 
if we ask him to open up our understanding, open up our ears, open up our heart when we're reading the word of God and to speak to us through the word, he'll do just that. And what does that look like, right? What does that look like? Well, when you're reading and you're going down through a passage, all of a sudden a verse just lights up. It just makes sense in a new way. It it all of a sudden becomes relevant to whatever it is that you're bringing before the Lord in the first place. It's as if the word jumps off the page and you're like, oh my gosh, I think that's God, right? And it fits and it's right and it's relevant. That's the Lord speaking to you through his word. How many people have experienced that? Yeah, most of, that's right, almost all of us. That is such an amazing thing. It is so amazing. Man, I'll tell you what. We'll get down to that in just a minute, but let me just state that the Word of God is revelatory. That that it's not just black ink on white pages. It is a revelatory phenomenon. What that means is this. There's so much in it, it's, it's almost beyond comprehension. There's so much in the Word, in every verse, in every word. All that's needed is for God to open up your understanding. And all of a sudden, it's there, and it's relevant, and it's life-changing. So God chooses whom he will open up their minds. He he determines who gets whatever it is. And if he says you get nothing, you can have a PhD in some biblical studies departments. And get very little of anything if he has chosen not to reveal anything to you. But if he's chosen to reveal to you and to me, it's endless. The wisdom, the knowledge, and information, it's endless. It's a flow from his spirit. And so when when you study, when you go and spend time in the word, always ask God, open up my mind, open up my eyes, help me to see things in your word. I need help in these areas. Speak to me. And as you go to his word, he will over and over and over speak to you. In his own way, in his own timing, he will come and lay in your heart what it is that you need. So, our job once again is to humble ourselves and to cultivate a hunger for his word. Isaiah 66, I'll begin reading in verse 1. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where then is the house you could build for me? And where is a place that I may rest? For my hand made all these things. Thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord. Verse 2, but to this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. God says, this is the one I'm going to draw close to. This is the one that I'm going to give my favor to. This is the one I'm going to speak to. It's the one who is contrite in spirit, humble, is grieved over their sins, who willingly confesses their sins and turns to me for forgiveness and cleansing. The one who trembles at my word, who believes that my word is sacred and holy. This is the one that I will draw close to. This is the one that I will speak to. This is the one who I'll grant my favor to. Our job, once again, is to hold the word of God in high esteem, 
to treat it as sacred and holy, to come to God with faith, believing that he will reward us for seeking him. And in doing so, God will draw close to us. This is the one that I will look to. This is the one who I will draw close to, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. Now again, when he speaks, it's like the verse all of a sudden makes sense. The word comes to life. It's relevant to whatever it is that you're needing from him. But in order to get there, to see that or to hear that, we have to still ourselves. God comes to us often in a small, still voice. You know, it's, it's a voice that is calm and that is still and that is, is requiring our attention. You know, if, if, we, if we're spending a lot of time, you know, in worldly things, worldly music, worldly TV, you know, cable shows or whatever, if we're spending our time just enveloped in the world, how will we hear that still small voice, right? We got to move all that clutter out. We got, we got to create sacred space and sacred time where we just still ourselves, quiet ourselves, spend some time waiting on him, being in his word. And it's in those still quiet moments that God breaks forth and meets us where we're at. But God is looking for those that are hungry, that are seeking his face. And to those he gives himself. Additional ways that Jesus speaks to us are in dreams and visions. Acts chapter 2 and verse 17, on the day of Pentecost, Peter's speaking. He says, in the last day, last days, God says, I will pour my spirit on everyone. Your sons and daughters will speak what God has revealed. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Yes, I'm dreaming dreams now. Old men will dream dreams. He says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on everyone. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. I remember our first couple of years in ministry, we were so like at a place of desperation. Uh, uh, the, the church had dwindled. People left because they weren't, they weren't connected to me when, when I took over the pastorate. And so things were really tough. And I cut everyone's wages, including my own. I said, we're all going to take the same cuts on staff. I said, because we're going to pay our bills. I'm not going to give Jesus' name a bad name. I said, we will take wage cuts before I miss a bill. And we did. We took wage cuts, and it was very, very uh, demoralizing. And so I remember one day just really uh, in a fit of angst because it just looked like, you know, we weren't going to make it. And uh, Jessica came out. It was breakfast time, and she's sitting there, and she says, Dad, I had a dream. I said, well, good for you, you know. I'm all in a funk, you know. And she says, no, I had a dream last night. God was in the dream. I said, oh, okay, well, tell me the dream. She says, God told me that everything's going to be okay, that he's going to send us money. <laughs> That's great, dear. Eat, eat your Cheerios, you know. She says, no, Dad, you know, he's going to send us money. He's going to send it in the mail. I said, okay, you know. So, uh kind of changed the subject. We ate breakfast and talked to Don about that. We thought that was a little bit goofy out there. No? What was the, correct me, please. Oh. <laughs> Threw me under the bus. Okay. 
Don had faith, I did not. So, um, so it was amazing. It was like later on that day, we went out, and in the mailbox was a check from uh, someone who didn't attend the harvest and didn't know our situation. And out of the blue, sent us a check. And so all of a sudden, Don's like, see, see, and I'm, I'm still not believing. I'm thinking coincidence, right? But I thought, yeah, that is, that is kind of weird, you know, her dream. She's all emphatic about it. And we did get a check today, but ah, that's just coincidence, you know. Then I had a phone call, and this person said, uh, yeah, Pastor Mark, um, I, I, I would like to uh, give some money to, to you today. And I said, well, yeah, okay. And she, she said, um, I want to drive it over. I said, well, why don't you just send it in the mail? You know? And self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Now, I said, just, just send it. You don't have to come over. She goes, no, I need to come over. I said, no, just send it. It's okay. I said, or just bring it this week to church. And she says, no, actually, I have to do that today. She goes, are you busy now? I said, no. She says, I want to bring it over right now. I said, why right now? She says, look, long story short, I was supposed to give this to you uh, quite a while ago. And I told the Lord I was going to do it. And I put it off and I put it off and I put it off, but I'm going to do it. And she says, I was in the shower and the Lord told me, you're supposed to give that money to Mark and Don. You need to give the money to them. And she said, yes, Lord, I'll do that. And he said, now. And she said, okay, I get it. I'll do it. I'm going to do it now. And she says, and I was finish, finishing showering. And the Lord said, now. And she says, like, right now, like, turn off the water. The Lord said, now. And she says, I didn't even finish my shower. She says, I just turned everything off. She says, and... Uh, I'm a little scared, but I, I know God, you know, I'm not really scared, but it got my attention. She goes, so I just want to bring it over right now. I said, bring it over. So she brought it over. It was like $5,000. And 30 years ago, that's more than $5,000 today in today's money, you know. That was a big deal. That was a big deal. Yeah. I thought about that again. I thought, I think that was Jesus who came in a dream. And my daughter prophesied spoke on his behalf, that's what it means to prophesy, to breathe hope in her parents, who Papa was about fit to be tied and ready to close everything down. It was amazing in every way. God speaks to us. Dreams and visions, through people, you know, through a lot of different ways, Jesus will come and meet that need. Okay, so, Let's look at some other examples of this in the, in the Bible. Um, think of the virgin birth of Jesus, right? Zechariah gets an angelic visitation while he's in ministering as a priest. An angel appears and says, hey, and he's like Abraham, past his childbearing years, right? But he says, hey, you and your wife are going to have a baby. It's going to be the forerunner to Jesus, so to speak. Um, and that's going to be, you know, something that I'm going to do and and of course, uh, he ends up mute and can't even speak from that time forward until the baby comes. But that was an angelic visitation that came to speak to him something specific about his life. And that was an amazing unfolding for him. And then Miriam, this young teenager, virgin, engaged to be married, ends up with an angelic visitation as well. And the angel says, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. And she's thinking, what's that all about? You know, what is going on here, right? 
And then, of course, the angel reveals to her that she's going to be pregnant with child by the power of the Holy Spirit and that she's going to give birth to the Messiah. I mean, this is overwhelming. This is stuff that she would never discover in the Word on her own. But God says an angel to speak specifically the Word to her life. And she responds, yes. Now here's this young virgin, pregnant, and she has to explain that to her fiancé. Yeah, we got ourselves a little bit of a crisis, don't we? She's going to try to tell Joseph, yeah, I'm with child, but it's God. I've never been with another man. It's like, oh, yeah, right, okay. Let's pick up the story. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. The birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. His mother Mary had been promised to Joseph in marriage, but before they were married, Mary realized she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph was an honorable man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the marriage agreement with her secretly. Verse 20, Joseph had this in mind when an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph is on the verge of divorcing her. He, he needed to actually write her a writ of divorce for the betrothal. That's how strong betrothals were in Judaism in the first century. He's going to put her away. And while he is in his crisis, brokenhearted, this angel appears to him in a dream, in a dream. The angel said to him, Joseph, descendant of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. She is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus, which means he saves, because he will save his people from their sins. All this happened so that what the Lord had spoken through the prophet came true. The virgin will become pregnant, give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Prophesied by Isaiah all of a sudden has a specific application. How would Mary and Joseph connect those dots? Unless, of course, God by his spirit would come and reveal that to them in a way that had application for them. When you're reading the word of God, know that God loves you and he wants to speak to you in your circumstances. Pay attention, look and listen. He will meet you where you're at. He's alive and in love with you. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do. Most of us, what would we do? We would just go on our merry way. Oh, that was just a crazy dream, you know? Yeah, we don't consider that God speaks to us even in our dreams. He wakes up being a good Jew. And he does what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do. He took Mary to be his wife. He did not have marital relationships with her before she gave birth to his son. Then Joseph named the child Jesus. Then we have the Magi from the east. God's speaking to them. He's using the stars. And they come all the way over to pay homage to the birth of the Messiah. King Herod finds out. And so he invites them in. He's trying to find out information about this new king that's been born because he's going to kill the new king because that's what kings do with their competitors. So they go and they visit Jesus and then they have a dream and God comes to them and speaks to them and warns them in the dream not to go back to Herod. 
So they leave without telling Herod. Joseph then has three more dreams. I mean, when you look at chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Matthew, it's just chocked full of dreams and visions, just, just like we read about in Acts. That's normal. That's normal in our relationship. We should be open and listening. God is speaking. Are we listening? Matthew 2, 13, after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. The angel said to him, get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, stay there until I tell you, because Herod intends to search for the child and kill him. So again, Joseph's not going to get that from the word of God. He'll get some general information about the Messiah, his birth, and and the drama around that. But nothing specifically other than if God discloses the specifics. And here's God in a dream telling Joseph, get up, get the child, get the mother, get down to Egypt, because this king will certainly kill the baby. Verse 14, Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and left for Egypt that night. You got to love Joseph, right? He is so responsive to the Lord. He doesn't wait for a week or two and kind of try to figure out what's going on. Man, he has that dream. He recognizes the voice of God. He gets up, and that, that day later, that night, they're on their way to Egypt. Oh, that we would have hearts like Joseph and be responsive like Joseph. He stayed there until Herod died. What the Lord had spoken through the prophet came true. I have called my son out of Egypt, which is another fascinating look at the prophet Hosea and the words concerning Israel as a corporate nation and Israel as a person named Jesus. Verse 16, when Herod saw that the wise men had tricked him, he became furious. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys two years old and younger in or near Bethlehem. This matched the exact time he had learned from the wise men. Then the word spoken through the prophet Jeremiah came true. A sound was heard in Ramah, the sound of crying and bitter grief. Rachel was crying for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were dead. Verse 19, after Herod was dead, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. The angel said to him, get up. Take the child and his mother and go to Israel. Those who tried to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to Israel. Amazing. Had he not responded to the dream, what would have happened? Think about that. Matthew 2, verses 22 and 23. says, But when he had heard that Archelaus had succeeded his father Herod, As king of Judah, Joseph was afraid to go there. Warned in a dream, he left for Galilee, made his home in a city called Nazareth. So what the prophets had said came true. He, Jesus, will be called a Nazarene. So we see example after example of God speaking to people, giving his people specific information related to their lives. Yeah, you're not a Joseph, I'm not a Joseph. You're not a Mary, you know, I get that. But what I'm saying is this, we all have lives to live for his glory. And God is there to help us navigate through our lives, 
through the journey set before us. He will speak to us, yes, in much smaller ways. We don't have the same influence that maybe some of these biblical characters have, but our lives are important, and he loves us, and he has a plan for us to bless us, to love on us. But what it's going to take is us developing listening ears and hearts to receive. It's going to take us spending time with God, being devoted to Him, being in His Word, praying to Him, and then listening for His voice in those around us, in dreams and visions, and specifically through His Word. That's how that works. Jesus is speaking to us. He's speaking to you. Let's open our ears. One of the things I want to challenge you with is to take time aside every day and spend it with him. I'm going to ask you to take one hour a day, every day, and devote it to him. 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes in the afternoon. Get a journal. How many people journal? Man, it's so important to write things down, and then you can go back and reflect on that. If you're like me, the older you get, man, if you don't write it down, it's gone, right? So it's important to journal, but I want to encourage you, get up, give the first 30 minutes of your day to the Lord. Get up 30 minutes earlier than you need to get up and give that to the Lord. Get some coffee, whatever. Open up his word. Pray, Holy Spirit, come. You know, one of the prayers that we pray is the Our Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Daily bread. That, that's a hyperlink back to the manna that he gave them every day from heaven. Daily bread from heaven to sustain them. In this prayer, we're not only asking God for the provision of daily food, we're asking for the spiritual bread that comes from heaven. Revelation for our lives. We all need revelation for our lives. Life's super complicated, right? Decisions that we make are oftentimes very complicated. We need the Lord to speak into that. Lord, give me daily bread. Give me specific stuff from my life. And he will. He will. He loves to open up revelation for you and me so that we live lives full of grace and full of blessing. But you got to set the time aside. Oh, I'm so busy. I don't have an hour a day. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. There's so many things we can cut out of our schedules. An hour is nothing. An hour is nothing. 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes in the evening. And, and what I love to do, I, I got this like everyone else did from Billy Graham. He kind of has this model, but it's, you take the, day, the date times five. So if it's, if it's the second day of the month, two times five is 10. Then you back it up, five, right? Minus five is, yeah, you start with six. So I, I start with Psalm six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Five Psalms a day. If it's day three, three times five is 15. Back it up. Psalm 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15, right? That'll get you through the Psalms every month. The date times five, and then you back it up, and you, you've got your five Psalms. Sit there for 30 minutes and read the Psalms and ask God to speak to you through the Psalms. I guarantee you when you do this, God will speak to you specifically and give you the stuff you need for, for living your life. 
And then later in the afternoon or maybe right after dinner, get that other 30 minutes in. You know, it's like John Wimber, Wimber would state. He says, man, I get up in the morning. I'm doing so good. I'm dialed into Jesus. I mean, life is good. You know, I'm just, just so anxious to live my life for him. He says, but by the afternoon, typically I'm up to no good again. He said, so, you know, by splitting that up, doing 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes in the afternoon, kind of keeps you on that straight and narrow for that whole day. Um, so let me just, let me just uh, close with this. Psalm 91, I just want to read a couple verses. Listen to the voice of the Lord here. God, I pray you speak to us through your word. But if I started in one of the Psalms, it was 91, it looks like this. And I just picked this out today, actually, because it matched, lined up with today's reading. Anyway, whoever lives under the shelter of the Most High will remain in the shadow of the Almighty. Where are you at in your life? What are you facing in your life? God's promise is this. Son, daughter, if you dwell under my wings... If you, if you draw close to me and remain in my shadow, I'll watch over you. I'll watch over you. I will say to the Lord, you are my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Oftentimes, I'll read the psalm and I'll actually pray it back to him. I'll verbalize it. I'll say, yes, God, you are my refuge. Yes, you are my fortress. My God in whom I trust, I trust in you. Just even verbalizing that and hearing it in my own hearing, I'm telling you, I go from a kitty cat to a lion. I begin, to, I convince myself, faith rises up. I'm thinking, I trust in the Lord. If the Lord is for me, who can be against me? It changes my day dramatically. He is the one who will rescue you from hunters, traps, and from deadly plagues. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His truth is your shield and your armor. I know God is speaking to some of you even right now as I speak, to, speak this. The encouragement that comes is just remarkable. Why? Because God's alive, and he speaks through his word. He's encouraging you and me today to be that son and that daughter who has found favor in his eyes, to know that he's for us and not against us, and that with him we shall overcome every obstacle, every illness, every sin. You say, wait, 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 you know, lots of people didn't get there. Well, they did when they died. See, people get healed before they die, but ultimately we all die. But even in that death, we conquer death, for in him we have a forever life. So his word is true. It's alive. We can trust in it. It will change who we are, change the way that we live, and we'll never, ever regret it. That's it. Shabbat shalom.